Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting, and also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter, where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 276, a new turkey hunting book with Ron and Tess Jolly. And I am your co-host and the guy who really could not be happier that deer season is finally over in Alabama. And I am your co-host and the guy who found a new honey hole over the weekend for Tennessee turkey season. Do tell. Went scouting for the first time on Saturday, about 20 steps in the woods, found a gobbler track, always a good sign, place I've never been, continued forward, had my dogs with me, they flushed a big flock of turkeys. Saw turkeys everywhere. There was scratching everywhere. Saw a big gobbler. Needless to say, I will be listening in there the week before Tennessee opens to see who is available in there. And was this Saturday that this happened? It was this past Saturday. So About what time? About 2 o'clock in the afternoon, probably. Perfect. So I'm assuming the dogs still have on the gps tracking collars that i sent them so yeah, yeah. good 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 i've got that exactly. spot mapped out so if any of you guys or gals listening in tennessee want a good hunting spot just email me andy at i am turkey hunting.com <laughs> i'll be glad to share cameron's new honey hole that he found Yes, yes. And if you enjoy Longbeard XR number fives to the back windshield, <laughs> you'll pull in there on opening day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, I won't shoot at you. Yeah, not not directly at you. Just yeah. kind of in your just direction. Up in the air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you didn't have a very good deer season. Oh no, I, it was a good deer season. I saw a bunch of deer. I saw a bunch of deer on my little bitty piece of property south of Birmingham. Hmm. I mean, there were days when I would sit over there and there'd be 14 deer either in the field or feeding at the feeder. Did you shoot any does, anything, or? I did. I killed two does off of my property. Nice. And... I wanted to shoot more because really the deer are starving out there. I mean, it's crazy. It's just how, too many. Yeah. And there are a few deer out there that you can see their rib cage and mm. you can see their hip bones. And so I need to kill some more does off of it, but it got to that point in the year to where. I was thinking, all right, I really don't need to be shooting any more does. I need to keep some does around so that I'll have some lure for some bucks. Mm-hmm. But season came and went, and I don't know that the deer ever really started chasing down there very well. You've said that the past few years that y'all hadn't really got much of a rut. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess you say you're happy it's over because uh, the ending of deer season means the real 
deal is right around the corner. Right around the corner, for sure. And the NWTF convention's coming up mm-hmm. next week. And I'm stoked about that. I hate that you're going to miss it. I know. I'm, I'm pretty sad I'm going to miss it. I'm going to be having fun where I am, but, it, you know, still going to miss being there. It's it's a lot of fun getting to see you and your wife and getting to hang out. Yeah. And talk turkey with a ton of people. It's about as much fun as I can have before turkey season. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It will get you really fired up and ready to go. Mm-hmm. But... I'm pretty fired up anyway. I've, I've been fired up for a while now. And how uh, how many days do we have, Andy, till Alabama's open? 37 days, 10 hours, 5 minutes, and 42 seconds. How about <sighs> South Florida? 22 days, Man. some hours, and some minutes. Hmm. And I'll be chasing the Osceola Gobbler for the first time in South Florida. That'll be a fun trip. I cannot wait. Now listen, don't lose the recorder and your microphone the first day <laughs> of the trip, okay? But then the, literally the first time I crawled anywhere on the first day of the first trip, recorder was gone, so I do apologize for that. But resupplied us. This time I might zip it into a pocket and just have the cord coming out. Maybe that would help. Yeah, so what I do is I run the cord for the microphone inside my shirt. Yeah, that would also be smart. And then I bring the end of the cord out of the top of my zipper of my pants and take the recorder where that end of the microphone cord is plugged into and just stick that in my pocket, my pants pocket. Yeah. Well. You only really have at that point about I don't know, eight inches of microphone cord sticking out, and if it gets hung on something, you know it because it's pulling your shirt and it's pulling your pants. Yeah, that makes sense. So I'll be better about it this year, hopefully, and hopefully I'll get some audio. I just hope a big old Osceola fires up on the limb and me and the buddy I'm going with. Hopefully we both just kill one a piece the first morning and be done with it. <laughs> If that happens, are you coming back immediately, or are you going to hang out there for a day or two? Because that's got a long four drive. Days. So, you know, we can each only kill one at the place we're going originally. And so then if we kill there, we may just have to go somewhere else. I don't know. I hope we get to that problem. I haven't discussed it with him yet. I hope we have a long, deep discussion regarding this topic after we've doubled up on two long spurred Osceola gobblers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope it works out that way. Me too. Then I'm going to come up and kill one in Mississippi, go kill one in Georgia, kill one the next weekend in Georgia, and then I'll get to start hunting in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. That's an I- ideal world. A boy can dream, can't he? <laughs> <laughs> Got to stay positive. You've taught me that over the That's years. Absolutely the truth. 100 percent you have taught me that because i used to get pretty down and you always stay pretty positive on no matter the situation so if you're not positive and have a positive attitude when you go out why go out yep so especially if you're hunting with somebody nobody wants to hunt with a debbie downer it's no fun for anybody and when you're down you make your partner down nothing ever goes right when everybody's down you know there's a lot of truth to that. So stay positive yep. out there, even on those non-gobbling days. Cool, man. Well, that's all pretty exciting stuff, and I'm looking forward to hopefully getting some good audio from you on that trip. And what do we have in store for the listeners today? Well, we're going to start out with the Jollies, and they were gracious enough to come on. Ron is being inducted in the NWTF Hall of Fame which is awesome deal that is a huge deal yeah if look up the list of names that are being inducted and and you will recognize all of them this is a i think knight and hale are both going in this year so you got a lot of big names in there and then his wife tess 
if you've ever seen any turkey pictures ever, you've probably seen some of Tess's work. Yeah. She is probably the premier turkey photographer on earth. And we talk to them about a new book that Ron has written. And then we go over videoing and photographing living and dead turkeys. And it's really interesting. It's really interesting, yeah. The I, I'm tell I tell you I'm excited about the book, and I'm gonna pick up two copies. Yes, two copies this coming weekend, and they'll both be signed to me. So I'm gonna send you a copy of the book that I get for you, and it's gonna have my name in it. That's fantastic. Happy hunting to Andy Galliano. I'll have that on my shelf. Yeah. yeah, and I'm going to have him put in there the best turkey hunter I know so that every time you open up that book and you read that, you'll know that I am the best turkey hunter that Ron Jolly knows. There you go. Yeah, that would be that would be good. I'd, I'd like that. And it would be a lie, too, but it would be good. <laughs> Ron knows some pretty good turkey hunters, so that would be a pretty tall order. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. I think I may do that. Yeah, do it. That'd be unique. I'd like to see it on the shelf. I, I just put a bookshelf in my turkey room today and put all my books on there. So. Ooh, or better yet, I may have him just make it out to Audrey. <laughs> and to, to the best turkey hunting wife ever, as she is. I don't know now. Tammy, Tammy is making a run at that too. So. Well, they're both very patient, so. I no doubt. Nothing, nothing to complain about there. So. No doubt. That's a big part of success for turkey hunting, being able to go. Yeah, this book sounds like it's going to be really good. Oh yeah. And, you know, I've read some of Ron's writing before, and I think it's going to be great. Um. I can't uh, wait. Yeah. After speaking to them, I read some online articles that he's written and can just tell from the way he writes, it's going to be a really good book and going to put you in the story with him there. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's going to be a hit. I hope a lot of folks who are listeners that are going to be at the NWTF swing by Ron's booth, tell him, hey, man, we heard you got a book. Pick one up. Because he's going to be, well, we'll talk about that all in the interview where he's going to be and everything like that. So, yeah. And for any of you guys that do pick up a book, be sure to let him know that you heard about it on the Turkey Hunter podcast. Yeah, we would greatly appreciate that. You know, we don't get anything from that other than the satisfaction of knowing that Ron knows his time spent with us was not wasted yeah that and that's true that's what matters because if we can't bring guests on this show that benefit from being on the show by selling books or turkey calls or whatever it happens to be then it's going to be difficult to get guests to come on the show Mm-hmm. yep so When you order a book, please let Ron know that you heard about it on the Turkey Hunter podcast. And any of you guys going to Nashville this weekend can pick up a copy live and in person. Ron's going to tell you where. And what do you say we jump into it and go? Let's do it. All right. Listen in close. We'll see you on the other side. See you on the other side. Hey, everybody. I'm excited to tell you that I have on the line with me tonight, Ron and Tess Jolly. And this, I believe, is the first time that I've had four people on a call with Skype. And Skype was not real excited about me having one person on a call earlier. So we're going to give this a run with four people. But you guys who listen to the show regularly probably remember Tess from a show I did about photographing turkeys. And this has been, goodness, probably two and a half years ago or so. 
and I would say this if she wasn't listening, but it was one of my favorite shows, and I've got probably two handfuls of favorite shows that I will listen to multiple times, and that show was one of them. And we got not only Tess, but we got Ron, her husband, on the phone with us tonight, and we're going to talk about, well, of course, wild turkeys, but also Ron's new book that's coming out in the in the not-too-distant future. And we have Cameron on the line with us as well. So I'm going to just start by saying, Ron and Tess, thank you both very much for coming on with us tonight. How are you guys? We're good. Appreciate you having us. Yes, we, we really appreciate this. It's always good to talk about wild turkeys. <laughs> Isn't it? That's one of my favorite topics, that's for sure. Yeah. Especially after a day full of talking about boring mortgage stuff from <laughs> 7 o'clock in the morning until 5 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm, I'm glad to have you guys on here. Cameron, how are you today? I'm doing well. Ready to co-host my first podcast, so this should go well, I hope. And I, I appreciate y'all coming on the show as well. I'm looking forward to picking your brains myself. All right, we're ready. Shouldn't take long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron, you want to jump in with the first question? Yeah, well, first I wanted to congratulate you, Mr. Ron, on getting inducted into the NWTF Hall of Fame coming up. Absolutely. Heck yeah. Thank you very much. I was uh, messaged Paul Butsky today. He's been inducted as well. He's one of the group, and I texted him. I said, who the hell would thunk it? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, not me. <laughs> and not me either. It was It's very humbling, and it's a great, great honor and something that I, I never really would have even dreamed of, but I'm certainly, certainly honored and proud of it. So I appreciate you bringing it up. And I'm proud of oh, it yeah. as well. I bet. Uh, I saw that on your Facebook page, I guess it was. A lot of folks were congratulating you and things like that. And I thought that was awesome. It looked like a great lineup of folks going to be inducted this coming year. It really is. And, I mean, you know, to be included in that group, you know, I'd been informed about this about three months ago, but I was told to keep it quiet. So uh, for the longest time, I thought it was one of Preston Pittman's cruel jokes where, you know, <laughs> and, and I, I finally just called him. I said, are, are you kidding me? He said, nope, it's true, but you can't tell anybody. I said, okay, now what? <laughs> what do you do? So it was a pretty long period of time there where, you know, they just kept it on the hush-hush. And Can I say Jolly has a little trouble keeping secrets sometimes? <laughs> I don't have much trouble at all on keeping turkey secrets. But something like that, that was, that was hard. I don't think for Christmas, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. And well, you're right great. about Preston and, and joking around, that's for sure. That, that was a valid question to be asking him. <laughs> I've known Preston since, well, I've known Preston longer than I've known Will Primos, and there's some history there that, in fact, I tried to get Preston to let me help him with his first video, and this before I ever met Will, and Preston told me, he says, Dolly, do you have any idea what you're getting yourself into if you do this? I said, I don't know, but I want to do it. He said, he had no idea, and he he didn't let me help him, so <laughs> he was right. <laughs> it's been a good ride, though. Yeah, I was just yeah. about to say it probably has been. Um, well, first I wanted to ask you, just last week on the podcast, we were talking about all the turkey hunting books that I like to read, and I saw that you had written one, and you're going to have it on display the first time at the NWTF convention, is that right? Yes, Memories of Spring is is the title of the book, and Tess and I have been collaborating on this for a long, long time, and 
it's a collection. A big part of it's a collection of stories I've written and published, and then a bunch of them are stories that have never been published. And of course, the photography is Tess's work, and you know that's kind of the icing on the cake. And I, yeah. I made a lot of these jealous. I showed them the artwork for the cover. He said, "It don't matter what the book, what the words say. You can sell them with the pictures." <laughs> <laughs> That's the general idea, boys. There you go. I was just going to say, anybody who loves turkeys and loves turkey hunting, the kind of storytelling that Jolly does is something that leaves you with a good feeling. And, you know, it's not a how-to book, like you said, but you will learn some tips in it. But it's it's a great piece of work. Well, that's awesome. I can tell you that I'm excited about getting my hands on a copy of it and so i will definitely see you guys at the nwtf and and be getting a copy of your book from you because i'm i'm fired up about that i i I have read some of your stories before ron and uh, and i if it's any indication of what the book's going to be like it ought to be it ought to be a good one well i appreciate it i was it's kind of like a perfect storm. Tess and I, you know, we we stay pretty busy and active. And when this all started coming together, we had no idea about the Hall of Fame induction. That's a big plus. Then I asked Wilbur, would, would he review it and critique it for me? And would he write the forward? And he did. That's a plus. And then they invited us back to the Primo's booth, which I hadn't been in that booth in almost 25 years. It's testified on each other. And, you know, it's just, God is good, man, I'm telling you. It's a bunch of things are seem to be coming together now. I can only hope that everybody thinks it's, you know, it's what I hope it'll be. Well, absolutely. So when did you first get the urge to write and publish a bigger work? Do you want the truth? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Give That'd me be food, ideal. Give me the fake answer and then give me the truth. <laughs> well, I'm just, just going to put it to you this way. If it takes me as long to write the next one as it did this one, there won't be another one. <laughs> <laughs> because I started, you know, my... I the time to do it. The, the time is one thing, and I, I think I have the time to do it now, but the inspiration I don't know that I have. But, you know, my, my story goes back to, as a, as a writer, goes back to John E. Phillips. You know, remember John? I do. And um, I took John on a turkey hunt in the Delta of Mississippi soon after I started Primo's, and, and we did – several hunts and John became a a friend and somewhere along the way I wrote a story and I thought I could sell it to Turkey Call Magazine but in my insecurity I said I'm going to get Bubba to critique it for me so I bundled it up put it in an envelope sent it to John with a little note says would you please read this and tell me what you think well it was snail mail you know and I was busy running everywhere and I came off the road one day, and in the mailbox was this envelope that looked fairly thick, and I opened it up, and it was from John Phillips. And there was the manuscript of the first story I ever sold to Turkey Call Magazine. And the only thing John wrote on the whole thing is your damn story. Tell it good enough for somebody to buy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's how it all kind of started for me. And I don't like writing about how to and where to you know, there's more to turkey hunting than that, and that kind of gets lost. The tie between the hunter and the bird and that relationship, it, it just kind of gets lost, and, and that's what I like to do. I, I do other things, but like frankly, that's the market now. But this book has a lot of that relationship between the people that cross my path, turkey hunting, and some of the bad turkeys that go along the way, and tested story in mine and it's happy stories and sad stories and some tragic stories but the turkey is always stark in my, everything I do in this book or I try to make it be 
Well, that sounds awesome. I definitely will be getting a copy myself. I, I love stories about those bad birds, like you were saying, and I'm more of a, I like books that are full of stories rather than fully tips and tactics, you know, because you can pick up stuff from the stories, but they're more entertaining. Well, that, that was the idea in the, in the opening of the book. I, I state that it's not hard sell how-to, where-to stories. If you read them, you'll figure out how a certain turkey got outwitted or how a turkey mm-hmm. outwitted me and, you know, draw your own conclusions. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I think there's definitely more information about turkey hunting to be garnered from stories and telling exactly what happened on a hunt because it is the real world. And, you know, the the stuff we read, the how-to stuff you read in a book, that's no different than a textbook on whatever the subject happens to be, math, let's take that, versus actually putting real-world examples that include math in your day-to-day dealings, and all of a sudden, well, I'm a math guy, so I'm going to say this out loud, math is not quite as boring as it is in a textbook. Well. <laughs> Like I said, I'm a math guy, so I, that might be hard for me to prove. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's just I'm really looking forward to reading the book. And, you know, I think that the best turkey hunting books out there, and this obviously is open for argument, but the best ones out there are the ones that share stories and, you know, where we can pick up things that we can use in the woods from those stories well there's one thing i'm gonna say one thing and test got something there's one thing that's going to make this book completely different than any turkey book you've ever read because i dare you to find a turkey book that has a story in it named my wife harvey i think you might be right you stumped me on that one <laughs> yeah I, I, I hadn't read anything like that before so that's we're not telling you anything else. <laughs> <laughs> you got me hooked now. I got to read it. <laughs> Andy already heard this story, if you recall. But... Uh, I was about to, t- to say that I believe I have heard the story, maybe not in its entirety, but a, a <laughs> good portion of it. And I, I was thinking that was that was the one. So, okay. But, uh, yeah. I would like to say one thing about Jolly's book, and that's, and, it, and we both feel this way. It's, you know, our gift, God gives everybody a gift. And it's up to us to find a way to share it with other people and do good with it. And his is communicating with words. And if I have a, a gift, it's, you know, getting close to wildlife and capturing the moments that a lot of people never get to see. And I think he honors the wild turkey in his writing as much as I have that goal also is to give honor to the bird, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. make it fun along the way and entertaining and, you know, just make people happy and hopefully they learn something. Yeah. And I can say, Tess, that with the quality of the photographs that you take, it is nothing but a tribute to the bird. And, you know, that also speaks volumes about the artist, the photographer that's taking those pictures. So, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to this. I mean, with pictures from both of you guys in the book and with stories from Ron in the book – this can't help but be a great one. I mean, uh, it, it can't be anything but a great one. So I'm fired up about this. So is there is there a lot of photography in the book? I was wondering that. I figured surely there would be. First of all, let me set the record straight. I have never taken a picture good enough to make my book. <laughs> 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 
They're all. They're all. Is any Tess's photography in the book? <laughs> so, I'll let Tess explain that what? to you about the photography and why we went the way we did. Well, to start with, we decided to do a book that we hoped, you know, we wanted to do a coffee table book with a lot of pictures, but mm-hmm. you know that that may be convert it may be converted into one down the line, but we pretty much settled on a price point and a size and something that turkey hunters can take to camp with them or, you know, it's a softback, full-color cover front and back, and then all the full-page photos inside are black and white. But our, our designer did a great job converting them over, and each chapter section has full-page wild turkey photos and there's some other photos you know like an old camp house and some things like that in it but uh we're proud of the way it's turning out and you know we're hoping down the line it might we might be able to do a collector's edition and add a little something to it mm-hmm. but hopefully everybody will be pleased with it and and enjoy it and and get something from it yeah so we'll have I think there you gotta do stop by we'll we'll have them uh, well i'm um definitely will do that and you guys are going to be at the primos booth mm-hmm. selling the books okay all right yeah. so for those of us who are going to be at the show how much are the books 25 dollars is 230 pages 239 pages yeah. uh, you know it's it's pretty pretty substantial paperback book uh we we tried to land on a price that we felt was fair and we compared you know this book to other books who were you know half that size and and you know turkey books that turkey books that were half that size and and mm-hmm. you know when you do something like this for the first time it's kind of like you know going fishing or something the first time we don't really know but we think we've done our research and we think that the reason we couldn't do it hardback and full color was we absolutely knew that we, you know, there'll be some people that buy them, but your average turkey hunter, your average reader, wouldn't mm-hmm. spend money on a book. I mean, retail would have been fifty plus dollars on a, or maybe even, you know, it'd been over fifty dollars. So we took this route, and and if it's a success, then we'll go the other route and try to you know stroke those people who are collectors and want it in that version but that's all good stuff to have to worry about but we're not worried about it right now <laughs> yeah. and so, so far the reaction has been really good so we'll have it up on amazon after right after the show okay okay you can order hard you know their print copies on amazon we'll have all the information there at the show so it'll it'll launch right after we finish Saturday. So the, the convention is more or less the launch pad and the initial promoting of this, of this book. What we didn't want to do, we're so busy starting after the show, photographing and deadlines and other stuff. We didn't want right. to get into inventory and fulfillment and all that with just one prop. So we just decided that that was the way to go, and we talk to a bunch of folks who do it that way and they're happy so i'm sure we'll be happy with it we haven't seen the quality of it yet so we're not going to throw it out there yeah as far as publishing goes i know there's you know i've talked to a few people that listen to this show who you know are they have books out about stories turkey hunting related that they're self-publishing did you guys go, I mean, did you use some of your connections and, and go with a, a big publishing house or you go in with a smaller publication company and or self-publishing? What exactly, how are y'all handling that? Uh, Jolly retired from the state conservation department and one of his co-workers, Billy Pope, is a graphics artist and he laid out the book. And we went with an online book publishing. Mm-hmm. So he's done the complete layout and 
we're, we've gone that way. So that's that's how it's, it's bookbaby.com is okay. who we went. And the reason we did that is the process takes about five times as long if you don't do it that way. And right. Get laid out and get it scheduled with a printer, and they run, make their run, and you know it, it was just it was just a lot. Had a lot more options doing it, like you said, self-publishing, and we hired the graphics and layout guy, and and we're just real happy with what he did, and he kind of guided us through it. And now I advise anybody doing this, <laughs> unless you're pretty much a geek, you better get somebody to help you because. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I bet that is pretty in-depth and a time-consuming process as well. But that that's great that you had those connections to be able to to use that and get somebody to lay the book out for you. Yeah, he was he was gracious great. enough to help us with it, and we're just very satisfied with with the way it looks at this point. Fantastic. So for the people who want to buy a copy. After the show, it's going to be $25, and they can go to Amazon and type in Memories of Spring. You need to put my name with it. You need to put either Ron Jolly Memories of Spring or Memories of Spring Ron Jolly. They've got such a huge, they want something a little more concise than just Memories of Spring. So if you put my name with it, you'll get it. All right. So maybe I can trick you into putting your John Hancock on a copy of me at the show. Five dollars extra. Yeah. All right. Hey, Cameron, Cameron, don't tell them that I would have paid 10 extra. Uh, I would be honored. And Seth would too. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. That'd be awesome. And then if I can uh, find Wilbur roaming around somewhere and get him to sign the forward of it, I'd have it It'd be complete, wouldn't it? Yes, it would. I mean, there's a compliment to the book by Preston Pittman, John Brown Jr., Gary Sethan, Jim Cassida. Five or six guys endorsed it, and we put that right in the front. So you might run down a bunch of those guys. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Absolutely. There'll be a bunch of them there, that's for sure. Very good. I appreciate you guys sharing that with us. Cameron has a couple of questions for you about filming hunts. Is that something y'all want to take a little bit of time and talk to us about too? Sure. We don't do it much like we used to, but that hasn't changed except for the equipment. Well, that actually equipment wise was one question. If somebody, your average turkey hunter, you know, the regular Joe is wanting to video a hunt, that they're going on or whatever. Is there a video camera, you know, relatively inexpensive kind of video camera that you think would be a good choice? I've been trying to look at one myself and I've looked at dozens and I don't really know what all those numbers mean and everything (laughs) on the frames and all that kind of stuff. Is there a certain camera you'd say like, Hey, this wouldn't be a good one for somebody to pick up and go shoot a hunt with. Not really because they'll all do it. Nowadays they're all shooting 1080p footage, which is high def, and mm-hmm. a lot of them is 4K, which is you know just the next step up. What there are things that I would encourage you to look for in any camera you buy by Sony or Canon or you know any of the major companies is mm-hmm. first of all you need a camera that has manual focus. You yeah. don't want a camera that does not offer that. Because if you're tracking a turkey and he goes behind a tree, you're focused on the tree. So that's that's one point. Um, You know, what I always try to tell people, and this technology changes so much. Seth and I video, what we video anymore, we video with a DSLR camera. You know, Mm -hmm. flip a button and you're shooting still, flip a button the other way, you're shooting 1080 or 4K video. I mean, Mm -hmm. the technology comes so far. I mean, the cameras these guys took now would fit in your hat where, you know, when I was doing that for a career, <laughs> I could fit in the box if they came. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really changed, and they're a lot more user-friendly, but it, it doesn't matter whether you're 
you buy the most expensive camera on the market or just the regular little prosumer camera that, you know, no bigger than your hat, you still got to learn the basics, and that's get a tripod, get an extended microphone, and get a windsock on that, and learn the button. I mean, it's just that simple. And you go from one camera to the next to the next, the buttons are all different. So to tell you one specific camera, All right, that's all I've got for you guys for the free portion of this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. If you would like to hear the rest of the interview with Ron and Tess Jolly and Cameron and me, then you will need to become a subscriber to the Turkey Hunter Podcast premium content. And in order to become a premium content subscriber, what you need to do is text the word Turkey Hunter. Make it one word and text that to the number 44222. After you text that to that number, you're going to receive some easy to follow instructions, and eventually you're gonna get a link from me via email that you can click on even on your phone and create your username and password to the Podbean application and pay the $18 per year annual subscription to the premium content of the Turkey Hunter podcast. Your 18 bucks is going to get you not only the rest of this week's episode with Ron and Tess Jolly, but it will also get you all of the premium content for all of our past episodes, as well as the premium content for the next 52 weeks. There is a bunch of content that is locked up under the premium subscription and you guys are not going to be disappointed with your $18 investment. All right, I hope that you guys enjoyed the interview with Ron and Tess. Man, they have some experience in the woods. They do. You can tell. They spend so much time in the woods, even out of season, around turkeys, photographing them, that I don't know if there's maybe anybody around that knows the body language of a wild turkey any better than Ron and Tess. Yeah, I mean, that's the beauty of photographing and videoing. You can do that year-round, and it sounds like that's about what they do. I think they do some deer as well, but they seem pretty sold on the turkey. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that tip that Tess gave about those bridge cameras mm-hmm. that was pretty cool yeah yeah I'm gonna have to look into those myself uh, it sounded like they're pretty compact easy to carry for somebody who likes to run and gun like myself and you know I'd like to be able to in 10 years look back at hunts I've hunted this year that'd be pretty cool yeah yeah one thing that you don't know yet Cameron is it looks like me and my buddies from college are going to take an early trip this year in addition to our big trip that we do every year. Uh-oh. And I think our early trip is going to be to Georgia. Heck yeah. And since I've already killed in Georgia, I'm going to take a video camera. There you go. And of course, there's not going to be any, don't shoot. <laughs> okay now you can shoot it's gonna be shoot whenever you're ready i'll try and i'll just be running the camera yeah (laughs) Yeah. because if you call up a a georgia gobbler on public land for one of your buddies you're not going to tell him to wait till you have him in the frame that's what you're saying exactly (laughs) i don't blame you (laughs) exactly yeah so i'm going to run the video camera i think that'll be fun and you know i'm going to use some of these tips that ron and tess gave us in their interview and you better believe i'll have the autofocus turned off that should be the number one thing to do yeah they, they made a big deal about that and it makes sense yeah you don't want to be focused on that tree limb in front of him yeah exactly that'll be pretty cool I've been wanting to do that, and when we go on these trips, man, it's all about 
marking those states off the list. And so I don't, even if I kill first, because, you know, typically we hunt in pairs, Mm -hmm. but even if I kill first, if one of the other guys have killed, well, we're taking one of the vehicles. Yeah. And the two of us are moving on to the next state. Yeah. So, you know, really there's not much opportunity to do any videoing of any of those guys hunts but this will be i've taken the camera with me before and never used it but i'll be taking the camera this year and i'm sure i'll have a gun in the truck since it's just a very short drive to get there but i do not think that i'll be taking a gun in the woods yeah so yeah you know, I'll probably do the Super Slam without a camera first, and then I'll go back and film it two or three times, do it another couple of times. You should, that that should be what you do next. When you finish your first Super Slam, you should go and self-film. An entire Super Slam. An entire Super Slam, and it's not through until you self-film killing a bird in every state. Would I have to actually get the bird in the film? Yeah. Otherwise, you just walk in the woods and run the video camera for a few minutes and go, well, we didn't get it on camera. (laughs) But here it is. I think as long as you hear the gunshot from the camera, it works. No. Yeah. Well, we'll discuss that when I finish the first Super Slam. That's a pretty big ordeal in in itself. But I might do that. I might take you up on that. I think you're gonna you're gonna try to wimp out and and dumb this second super slam down. Well, I might wait and do it on my third super slam. I don't know if I want to do it on the second one. Why not? Well, the second one, I might want to just see how fast I can do a super slam. You know, maybe speed. Single season. <laughs> Single exactly. <laughs> <laughs> killing killing the state every day. <laughs> <laughs> single season super slam yeah there's goal number two yeah jeff buds has probably done it a couple times (laughs) (laughs) i don't think it's physically possible yeah i guess it's not but it sure would be nice to do yeah it would it'd be kind of cool well andy why don't you give us the turkey tip of the day this week since i was the one last week Wow, you know, I really put you on the spot with that too last week, didn't I? Yeah, that's why I'm trying through. to jump in here with a on the spot right here, but you probably knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't, I wasn't expecting it right there. So, all right, let's see. Today's calling tip of the week work on. The soft calling like we talked about last week with Scott Ellis and implement that soft calling into your calling sequences and add that realism into your calling sequence. You know, there's a big, big difference, just like, again, just like Scott said, in a hunter in the woods doing just a calling sequence and it doesn't have to be the same sequence over and over and over again you know it can be yelps and clucks mixed together some purrs mixed in but when we add in the leaf scratching and we add in those little feeding whines and those if you can do them and i can't do them yet with a mouth call i'm going to work on it but those little dewdrop clucks the little boop. Yeah. Sound like a raindrop. Yeah. But Saturday, my last day in the tree stand, I watched two long beards mm-hmm. in my food plot feeding around. And they would go through periods where they would feed quietly. Well, okay. They'd feed quietly, meaning... I couldn't hear them making any purrs or whines or anything. Yeah. And then for a period of like two or three minutes, almost 
straight, you know, almost solid, they would do feeding wines. Hmm. And so, and, and these are gobblers doing that. So, you know, that sound is something that I think really kind of makes another turkey think that you are a turkey if you make that because they don't hear it very often yeah. coming from hunters. And if you're hunting pressured birds, little things like that while you're scratching in the leaves mm-hmm. could be all you need. I like it. I'll tell you one thing about the soft calling for me is I'm pretty impatient. So rather than yelping every 30 seconds to him or cutting, being able to do soft calls, you can't hardly over call if you're just sitting there scratching the leaves and doing feeding lines. Right. So it kind of helps me bridge the gap between loud calling sessions. Yeah. And if you listen to Dave Owens, you know, he is calling almost nonstop. Yeah, exactly. And turkeys are always communicating. Exactly. And that's what he'll tell you is that, you know, those little purrs, those little whines, little clucks, you know, they're, they're constantly communicating. They're constantly making noise unless they are standing dead still at alert and then they're not making any sound. But if they're just being turkeys, they're constantly making noise because they're constantly moving around in the leaves. They're not always scratching, but if they're feeding, they're scratching. And then there's the communication part of it going on. So, yeah, you're right. You you almost can't overcall. Yeah. If you're doing that yeah, soft, if you're doing soft stuff. <laughs> stuff. Yeah. You can yeah. if you're cutting and yelping loudly. You can definitely overcall in certain situations. <laughs> no doubt. That's yeah. a good tip, Andy. I like it. What I thought was interesting is, you know, I really couldn't tell a difference in the wines that I've heard from hens and the wines that came from those two toms. Were the wines more of like those three note kind of those kind or were they like two note, two note and three note? What if you could do it with your voice to get as close as you can to what it would have sounded like? Well, you did the three note. Yeah, so it was just like a woo-woo. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And it was similar to the hen. It wasn't any deeper, more coarse, anything like that? Not that I could tell. Interesting. I've never heard a gobbler whine before because, you know, I haven't seen them that often in the fall. Well, yeah, and when I see him in the spring, it's a matter of, okay, he's in range, boom. (laughs) (laughs) Or, okay, he's in range, boom, boom, boom. Okay, so that's if you're hunting with me. <laughs> that's if I'm hunting with anyone. <laughs> yeah. But remember, it's no fun if you only shoot once. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, gotta, well, gotta and, you know, in spring when you call one in, he's not too concerned with feeding at the moment usually. <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that. So that that's interesting to hear that because I might, you know, everybody heard this past year I got into fall hunting and I, I might incorporate that into my fall hunts. Cause I wouldn't have thought to put feeding wines in with it because if I'm trying to imitate a gobbler, I didn't even know they really did that. Yeah. They also made, uh, and I wish that I had it on video. They made some sort of a weird noise. I had never heard a Turkey make before. Hmm. And it was, it was, watching them and then they'd make that noise it was almost like it was an alarm call Hmm. but it wasn't a putt because when they'd make this sound if one well when one of them would make it the other one would jerk his head up and just stand there and look yeah and they'd both be looking around and then you know they'd go back and start feeding again that's interesting and i thought that maybe you know there was a a deer about to come up into the field or something, but I never did see a deer. Yeah, kind of a, so, hey, did you hear that call? <laughs> yeah. 
And like I said, I wish I had it on video. And I did actually video those turkeys for about 15 minutes with my phone, but I'm, I haven't watched it to see if the audio is any good. You know, if there's any audio I can pull from it to use to play for the listeners. To describe the sound, was it more of a kind of sound or like a yelpish cough kind of sound? Like what? Yeah, it was, it was, gosh, really hard to describe because. <laughs> this might it, be the magic like said, call we need to know, Andy. <laughs> Yeah, from the way they acted when they did it, I don't think it is. That's the assembly gobbler call. It works every time. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I've got no audio evidence of it and cannot tell you what it sounds like because I can't duplicate it. Hmm. It, it was short and very... You know, it, it was a cut off kind of sound like a putt is, you know, where it's just that. Yeah. It had that little very quick finish to it. Very sharp finish to it. Yeah. But it absolutely was not a putt. I have heard it enough times to know. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard enough gobblers putt to know <laughs> that was not a putt. That's usually how I so, know the gobbler's there. Yeah, exactly. That's what wakes me up <laughs> from my snore fest I have going on. But it was interesting. I again, I wish I had it on video, but and that's actually why I ran the video hmm. is because I wanted to get that sound. I wanted to get it on video to be able to hear it. Yeah, the golden call, and we may not even have evidence of it. No. But I could probably go back there tomorrow afternoon be and there. sit in that same stand because they're coming into that field every single day and have been for the past 45 days. They seem more patternable, if that's a word, in winter. Yeah. If that makes sense. They just seem like they don't have much on their mind. It's just, you know. Hey, let's go eat here again and do our normal thing. Yeah. Because they're not interested in the girls been, yet. There have been a lot of days when they have spent almost the entire day in the food plot. Hmm. I mean, from like 8.30 in the morning until 3.30 in the afternoon. Wow. Well, if that doesn't teach you that if he was gobbling somewhere and then he just goes quiet, that, that doesn't mean he's exactly ran over the next mountain and into the next county, he might still be sitting there. Oh, yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking that when that time comes, when there's two or three days straight when I don't see them, mm -hmm. that that's probably going to be about the time that they hook up with the girls mm -hmm. and stay with them. Yeah, breeding starts taking place heavily. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be so, cool. You'll with the trail cameras and everything, you'll literally get to witness the flock dynamics take place on your property. Yeah. That'll be very neat. It'll be cool. And then sure. you'll go kill them and it'll be over. I hope I get to kill them. <laughs> they look like they look like they're probably 2-3 year olds perfect it was a little hard to see the spurs even with my binoculars up but they are not rounded off i'll say it that way yeah they're not very long you know maybe an inch but they're sharp they're they're pointed so i'm i'm leaning towards three-year-olds and i will need to ground check both of them to be sure report back on the on that yeah mm -hmm. yeah i like the plan well andy i think we had a great interview i think your tip right there at the end's a good one and i'm looking forward to well, turkey season you. yes sir all right absolutely well this weekend as you guys know i will be at the nwtf convention and if you remember i'm going to have a booth 
the Turkey Hunter podcast will have a booth. And when I say I am, it's because Cameron, as I've already mentioned, is not going to be there. Of course. So <laughs> I'll have a booth, and it's going to be in the registration area. So for you guys who've been to the Gaylord Opryland Convention Center, whatever it's called, for the NWTF convention, you know where the registration area is. It's where you go and you pick up your passes for the day to go into the show. And I would love to see you guys. So when you stroll through there and you get your passes, before you go into the convention and sports show area, we'll on by the Turkey Hunter podcast booth and say hello if I am there. I will be conducting some interviews away from the booth, but I will be conducting quite a few of them right there. And so I'd love to see you. Oh, and Cameron and I have a little giveaway. So stop by and ask about the giveaway, and we'll see if we can't get one of them in your hands. Absolutely. So, and if you see me wandering around the show, please stop me and say hello. I love meeting you guys at that show. It's a, a great time for me to be able to shake some hands, and thank you for listening. So, if you see me or you hear me, please holler at me. And that is my favor of the week. Stop by the Turkey Hunter podcast booth and say hello to Andy. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we look forward to seeing you again next week with a ton of interviews from the NWTF convention. See y'all later. Goodbye. Goodbye.